people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. What do you mean? Or how sayest thou? The Son of Man must be lifted up. Who is this Son of Man? Then said Jesus to them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness cometh upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. These words spake Jesus and departed, and did hide himself from them. Though he had done many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? They therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, that I should heal them. These things said Isaiah, when he saw him in his glory, and speak of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. We are in John chapter 12, beginning at verse 31. In our passage today, Jesus speaks of the fact that the ruler of this world would be cast out because of the judgment that was upon the world. And this would be accomplished by Jesus being lifted up from the earth. And he also said, if I be lifted up, meaning on the cross, I will draw all men to myself. And it is quite evident that our Lord is clearly seen by all who look to him. And as we continue, we see that many did not believe in the Messiah, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. And once again, unbelievers fulfilled the word of God that was prophesied. And the prophecies of the word of God will be fulfilled in the future, even as they were in the past. I'll open your Bible to John chapter 12, verse 31, with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. It is with real joy and blessing that we come to you today. I am sure that the more you read this precious book, the Gospel through John, which we're studying, the more you get out of it. The less you read it, the less you get out of it. And I'm greatly concerned that every one of us who are studying together this Gospel through John may have something in our own hearts where the truth will live. It's very easy for one to have an intellectual persuasion of truth. I am more concerned, not only that you have an intellectual knowledge of truth, but I want you to have the truth living in you. And the Spirit of God is the only one who can make it living. But it will only do it to open hearts. 
hearts that mean business with him. Now, we're in the 12th chapter of this Gospel through John, this chapter which deals with Jesus Christ as the center of attraction. You remember, as we go through the chapter, he was the center of attraction at the feast on the road to Jerusalem and at the cross. In uh, verses 20 to 22, he attracts Gentiles, and then he attracts disciples, and then he attracts the heavens, 27 to 30. And then 31 to 33, you have this question of the world, the prince of this world being judged. We took up for a few moments, you remember the fact that he must die in order to bear fruit. And then we had the extent of his death, 27 to 29. He must die on a cross. He's going to be lifted up. And then we had the manner of his death. He must be crucified. And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all unto me. This signifying by what death he should die. Now, the result of that death and resurrection, the world is judged and Satan is cast out. That is, he's cast out of his present sway. Remember again, I, I say it very frankly, Satan is the god of this age. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of this world. And there can be no deliverance from death, from the fear of death, from the powers of hell, or from the power of the world, except through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. At the cross, Satan was judged. And as Colossians 2.15 declares, our Lord uh, came forth in triumph. He triumphed over all the forces of darkness. How glad I am that we have a Savior who was a conqueror so that when one comes to the Savior and has a real relationship with him, then we find that we are delivered immediately from the powers of hell, uh, from the trickery, suddenly of this world, and from the fear of death. Now, coming down to verses 34 to 36, this is where we start today. And you'll notice with our Savior, uh, Time is running out. He's facing the cross. And may I say, time is running out for them too. Now, he makes his plea in 34 to 36 uh, of John chapter 12. After our Lord had been speaking of the fact that he must die, the people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. What do you mean? Or oh, how sayest thou? The Son of Man must be lifted up. Who is this Son of Man? May I just stop here for a moment? Who is this, the Son of Man? How can he live forever and yet die? And you see how confused they were. We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And yet you say the Son of Man be lifted up. Who is this Son of Man? How can you live forever? and yet die. Now mark you. Then said Jesus to them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness cometh upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. These words spake Jesus and departed, and did hide himself from them. Let me just stop here for a moment or two. Will you please notice 
the reason for them walking in darkness, the reason for them not understanding the Savior was because they were not walking in the light which God gave to them and rejected light, my friend, always leads to darkness. Always leads to darkness. You remember in John chapter 8, our Lord could say, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In John chapter 9, verse 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Walk while you have light. Now, he, he, he makes the same statement here in verse 46. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. But having rejected the light, I say, there is nothing else but darkness. And the tragedy is that for nearly 2,000 years, the people of Israel have wandered bitterly in darkness. This is their history for the past 1,900 years. They, they, they rejected the light, our Savior, when he was here. There's nothing left but darkness. And even now, even now, nations who have heard of the Savior, who know of the Savior, have spurned the light. Hence, they do not know where they're going. Darkness is creeping in, and the result is chaos, uncertainty, and fear. May I say, my friend, this is true in America. It's true in Europe. We've had the Word of God for nearly 2,000 years. At least we've had it for 1,900 years. Take this precious land of ours, based upon the Word of God. Our early forefathers were, were real believers in the Savior. Their lives were transformed lives by the Savior. The greatest men, some of the greatest men we have in our nation have been men and women who have really loved the Savior. But now we're turning our back upon the one who is light. I'm going to be very blunt about it, very realistic about it. When one rejects the light, there is nothing left but impenetrable darkness. There are many in the world today who are in darkness because of ignorance. There are certain parts of the world where they've never heard about Jesus. They've never heard about a Bible. They've never heard the Word of God. And they are in darkness because of ignorance. But here in this land and many other lands, we're in darkness because of rejected light. And I repeat it very bluntly. This is the background and the reason for the chaos, for the moral corruption. We don't know where we're going. And the whole world, more or less, is in a chaotic condition. Conditions today are such that no one can tell you what's going to happen six months from now. I repeat it. For a nation to reject the light means darkness. For an individual, and I talk to you now personally, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. 
Remember the very first chapter, the very introduction to this book. In him is life, and the life was the light of men. Men prefer darkness to light, as chapter 3 says, because their deeds are evil. And it is this ignorance of God, this rejection of the light, that is the base for all the sinfulness and the chaos and the lawlessness and the rebellion and the conditions today. I'm being very blunt about this. I'm declaring to you, my friend, there are two kingdoms in the world. There is the kingdom of darkness. There is the kingdom of light. And every one of us are either in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. Satan is the one who is the god of this age. He's the, he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of this world. He's the prince of the kingdom of darkness. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, Colossians 1, 13, Paul says, he, God hath translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of his love, into the kingdom of light. As I am talking to you, my friend, you are either in the kingdom of darkness or you are in the kingdom of light. Either you are in the kingdom where death reigns, where sin reigns, or you are in the kingdom of God's dear Son, where love reigns, where we have eternal life. Isn't it wonderful that God has made the provision whereby you and I can be in the kingdom of light, can become a child of the living God and belong to the one who is light. And if you have him, you shall not walk in darkness. All around we see people asking the question, what's next? Where are we going from here? Well, I tell you, for a man or a woman who loves the Savior, we all know where we're going. We don't say with the world, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm on the way. We know where we're going, and we're on the way. Well, you see, where are you going? I'm going to end up in the very presence of the living God, conformed to the image of his Son. This is the prospect, eternal life, eternal glory, eternal joy. For in his presence is fullness of joy. I shall be satisfied when I awaken thy likeness. I'm quoting, by the way, from the last verse of two psalms, the 16th psalm, the 17th psalm. Thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 16th psalm, the last verse, 1611. I shall be satisfied when I awaken thy likeness. Psalm 1715. You see the difference between light and darkness, between life and death, between Christ and and the God of this world. And Jesus here, it's the final act. It's the final act. They've seen his miracles, and he's pleading with them. There's not much more time. And their answer is, we've been told that the Christ abideth forever. What do you mean that you're the Son of Man going to be lifted up? How can you be the Christ and die too? It's in the back of Peter's mind. When the Lord Jesus, for the first time, announced his death, burial, and resurrection, Peter said, get this idea out of your head. I have just declared that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How in the world can you die? See, Ignorance of God's purpose, ignorance of God's plan, 
ignorance of what God has revealed to us. My friend, again, I say to you, the Word of God is not just a textbook of spiritual things or of spiritual truth. The Word of God is God's communication to you and to me. I remind you again that God has made men and women different from any other being on the face of the earth. The capacity to think, the capacity to communicate in words. When God wants to talk to you and me, he's got to talk through words. He's got to use words. And when we have to talk to God, we must talk through words. We've got to communicate, must be by words. And God has already given it to us in the word of God. That's why I plead so much that men and women face up to it to get into the word of God. Maybe I'm talking to some who, who have no use for the Bible, no use for Christianity. What do you know about it? What do you know about Christianity? Well, you see, I've seen some of the product. Well, don't judge the thing by the product. I know there are many Christians, professing Christians, who are not living pleasing to God. But please don't judge the Savior by some who claim to be his children. Take the Bible for yourself. I challenge you. Take the Bible, take this gospel through John. Read it through a number of times. And if you have an open heart, I'll guarantee you one thing. Now remember, if you have an open heart and you really want to know the truth, I am persuaded that God will reveal that truth to you. He will reveal himself to you through his word. He's the light of the world. And by the way, may I warn you, he will not only enlighten your heart to truth, but he'll enlighten your conscience. That might hurt. That might hurt. But remember, he died to put away sin. He died that you might not die. And he defeated death in the grave by his resurrection. So I say again, when we come to this passage, uh, the final warning in play to Israel, uh, starting at verse 37 and running to the end of the chapter. Oh, I, oh, let me go a little bit before, before that. Go down to verse 43. 37 to 43. Mark their unbelief and their unrejection. And though he had done so many miracles before them, verse 37, though he had done many miracles before them, Yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? They Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, that I should heal them. These things said, said Isaiah, when he saw him in his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now it looks as you read this portion as if the Jews had no chance Isaiah said, Who hath believed our report? He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, and he quotes from chapter 6 of Isaiah, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, and so on. Now let me just suggest this fact. 
Isaiah 53, 1 says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe the report. In other words, God answers to faith. Now, it's not, it's not that these folk couldn't believe. They believed not in verse 37. Though they saw so many miracles, yet they believed not on him. It is not that they could not believe. See? The reason for it was because they would not. You remember chapter 5? Jesus said to the Jews of his day, You do search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. In Matthew chapter 23, you remember our Lord said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that killed the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto you, how often, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under her wing, but you would not. This fulfilled Isaiah chapter 53 and chapter 6. May I tell you, my friend, persistent unbelief leads to hardness. Now, you remember in Hebrews chapter 3, where the Spirit of God through the writer of Hebrews says, Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. And he warns us to have against having an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is the product of an evil heart. And unbelief persisted in leads to hardness. You see, man of his own choice refuses to believe, and God ratifies that choice. I want to get this so clear in your mind. I'm dealing with a very, very important thing. Now, some will take this and take the sovereignty of God and say, well, now you can't believe because God said certain things. But wait a minute. If you're going to use the Bible, use the whole Bible. Our Lord over and over again pled with Israel, Take chapter 10 of John. You don't follow me because you're not my sheep. As I said to you before, my sheep hear my voice. How did he know they were not his sheep? Because of unbelief. They rejected him. We will not have this man to reign over us. We don't want him. They'd rather kill him. They'd rather get rid of him. And I tell you, my friends, very frankly, there are people today who have been under the sound of the gospel for years, possibly all their lifetime, and they're further away from Christ than they were the first time they heard the gospel. I repeated the, the terrible thing. I've oftentimes said on this radio, unbelief in Christ is a terrible thing. Unbelief persisted in leads to hardness. That's why the prophet said, eyes they have and can't hear, ears they have and can't hear, make the heart of this people fat. Unbelief having rejected, personally rejected the Savior, what is there left? What is there left? But hardness of heart. It's the final word of our Savior. Before you get to the end of this chapter, we find it's the final word of our Savior to Israel. Starting at chapter 13, we have an entirely different picture. 
I want you to read and reread and reread this book. Now, let me close by saying this. If I'm talking to anyone today, hearing my voice, friend, and you have never accepted the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died to put away your sin by the sacrifice of himself. Remember, God loved you enough to die for you. He bore your sins that you may go free. He's offering you not death, but life. The gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin, death. The gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I plead with you today, my friend, to accept the Savior and pass from death to life. Please, please don't turn your back on the Savior. Remember, He died to redeem you from sin. Now the Lord bless you today for His name's sake. you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.